In a world filled with information, where do you turn to get straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money? Lock it in to the longest-running financial talk show in Arkansas and let us help you build the bridge between information and application. Real financial change begins right here, and it starts with you. It's showtime! Woo! Well, you probably heard the saying, everything in moderation. Certainly anything in excess can cause problems, and in your finances, it can be a disaster. On today's show, three financial mistakes to cancel from your culture. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And we welcome you in on this final day of March 2021 for the Get Ready for the Future show as we record on this Wednesday morning. My name is Scott Inman, along with John Shrewsbury and Janet Walker. The gang is all back together around the Oval Table again. In the same room. Who is so a stranger normal. in our room here, Janet? Uh, I, don't, I don't know, but I'm glad back he's back. Here. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, it doesn't feel normal then. I thought it no, felt more normal. No, it does It does feel a, a lot better. It's been almost a year yeah, uh, that yeah. you were uh, banished to the back room back there. And <laughs> and uh, we were trying to do a little social distancing right. to uh, at least be a good example to folks. Yep. And uh, now the governor has uh, said, you know, the mask mandate is off and uh we're all you know pretty uh healthy around here so yeah. we're uh we're, we're gonna be back together and I, I love it in many cases the virus has already run through our system i yeah. had it way yeah. back in august so we've uh, definitely been through all of that but yeah we are looking forward to a little more normalcy i think all across the board yes. uh, oh, yeah. in the next uh uh, three quarters of 2021. So I can't help but think, you know, we promoted on social media for our show today, uh, and it was in all uh, capital letters, canceled. And and it, the thought crossed my mind. I know. Is the show canceled? Are we doing the show today? No, we're not canceled. So don't worry about that. The Get Ready for the Future show is moving on, right? Yes, we're, but absolutely. The, the canceled comes from, as we mentioned in the open, three financial mistakes to cancel from your culture and we use the word culture because we're going to kind of brought it bring in the tie-in here of uh the culture in general because these are financial mistakes that i think uh are are they happen on a big level and they happen on a personal level and it all kind of comes back on this play on the 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 term of the year i guess or the last couple of years is the cancel culture right this idea that if you don't like something we are so quick to dismiss it and we're not going to get into the politics of all of that but it is it is a very strange phenomenon in the sense that we know very little about the full story when many times we're we're really quick to hit the cancel button and and not deal with it anymore yeah we we tend to react pretty harshly as a as a culture if you will in this cancel culture phraseology here that i I don't, I don't think that that's always a wise thing to do, but what we're going to do today is talk about some things that would be wise to cancel in your personal culture. We'll talk about you know what they look like on a national level, and then what does it look like for you personally, and there are some things that you should cancel. I think it's interesting to, to note that oftentimes people get involved in the canceling of something that, that has really no direct effect on them. They just right. state an opinion and go, yeah, just cancel that or what have you. But if we got worked up over things like debt and bad financial issues and things of that nature as much as we got worked up over politics or or you know pop culture or whatever the case may be uh, we'd be a whole lot healthier in in terms of our finances if we did get really uh, pretty uh, dadgum uh, angry about some of the things that happened to us from a financial standpoint that we really ought to just go ahead and cancel well you know what's interesting is a lot of people i think when they do make decisions that would fall under this header, if you will, of cancel culture, it is decisions about their money, right? It's a, it's a business they no longer want to use because right. they said something they don't like. Well, this is money relation relation as well, a relationship with your money. These things we're going to be talking about today. And if you can cancel them, I think they'd make a bigger impact than, than, than maybe whether you're going to go to a certain company or not. There, there is a direct benefit to canceling some of the things that we're going to talk about today, mm-hmm. whereas the benefit may be more, I guess, emotional, uh, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. in, in terms of cancel culture. But one of the things that I think that we can jump into, Scott, is really thinking about this from being bad about 
the uh, bad for the economy, but also bad for your economy. You got to think about your economy. We always have talked about your economy. It doesn't really matter what's happening happening in the big picture of the economy if your economy sucks. Yeah. You just don't want that to be uh, going on. We can have a robust uh, economy happening, and we do right now. Mm-hmm. But frankly, there are some folks that are really struggling, and one of the reasons that they're struggling is because they engaged in over borrowing in the beginning. Yeah. And, and I think that that is an area that, that a lot of people could really take a serious look at and decide that they're going to make some changes. Yeah. If you, you want to think about overborrowing and just kind of where we are as a society, if we look back at 2020 to see what happened in terms of debt, debt held by the public increased by 4,000. I'm sorry, that's that's a different number than I thought I was reading there. I thought they were going the individual route. Uh, this is $4.2 billion, the largest annual dollar increase in history history. Mm. And March is, by the way, Credit Awareness Month. So as we close out the month of March, it would be good for you to maybe consider where you are personally. So where I was going, as I was literally just misreading that, where I was going was the personal number. How much has your personal debt increased in in the last year? Where are you compared to 12 months ago? Are you borrowing more? And, And I will say, like, we're in the boat of having refinanced our home. You know, and so for some of you, you may have added closing costs in on that. But if it ultimately puts you in a better position, you know, long term, that's that's a different conversation. But if you're looking at credit card debt that is maybe, you know, out of hand or maybe higher than what it was last year, if it's not something that you're paying off every month, then that's not where we need to be as individuals. Scott, I, I sit on uh, the Gen Wealth Investment Team along with Tim Key and, and Charlie Skinner. And one of the things that we talk about on a fairly regular basis is the explosion of public debt, meaning not not in terms of like uh, the government debt, but in terms of debt issued by publicly traded companies. Uh, there's way more debt out there uh, on publicly traded companies than there has been ever before. And a lot of that debt is what they call triple B rated debt. Now, it's just barely investment grade, but it is investment grade. And so there is some concern among our uh, discussions about how much debt is being taken on by companies and whether they're going to be able to handle that if we have a prolonged, protracted recession. And so overborrowing is is a problem not only in your personal finances, but also in in the finances of corporate America. And this leads to things like the financial crisis that we had in 2008. And and that's a big concern. When you're looking at investments, you always want to take a look and say, okay, how much debt does that particular company have and are they able to handle that debt? You have to take a look, I think, too, at the source of that overborrowing. I do think it's important to point out that you know 2020 was an unusual year. Yeah, uh, I do for think sure. a lot of people may have incurred new debt, maybe even credit card debt, just trying to buy groceries because they lost their job or they were furloughed from their job, and that's a, that's a different thing. But it's a great time now if you're getting back to normal to attack that. But when you talk about debt from a culture standpoint, we started using the word cancel culture and the need to cancel over borrowing from your personal culture. But if you expand that and think about how prevalent it is in today's society, you know, I think from all the client meetings that I've had, it's pretty regularly assumed that most of the clients think they're going to always have an auto payment. They're always going to have a loan payment for a car, that that's how they buy vehicles. Now, yeah. a, lot, a lot of them buy with cash too, but even in retirement, the idea when we start mm-hmm. talking about income and what do you need for retirement income, they are quick to want to build a, a car payment into that income because they think they're going to have to buy it that way. Well, and uh, car payments, student loan debt, yeah. that's an, another huge one. Uh, right now, my son is in the midst of filling out, you know, just one scholarship application yeah. after another. It's it, you, you got kids I'm doing there. that too. It's that time of year. And, and one of them asked him, what do you expect to do to handle your, your student loan debt after you graduate? As though it is an absolute that he will have student loan debt when right. he graduated. Right. And my son brought me the question and he went, Mom, 
I'm not going to have student loan debt. Like, what do I tell them? Because they're assuming I will. And I said, well, you need to tell them why you won't. Mm -hmm. And so that's how he handled the conversation. But you think about that as a culture that it is an assumption that you'll have a car payment. It is an assumption that you'll have a student loan. It is an assumption that you'll have a mortgage, frankly, for the rest of your life. That's the way most people look at it. You don't have to fall into those assumptions. You can cancel over borrowing. Well, and I think that there is a place for debt. And and oftentimes, mm-hmm. if you have money and you have debt, you think, I ought to take this money and pay off that debt. We deal with this with people right. with their retirement accounts sure. when they, when they uh, basically come out of employment for the last time. One of the itches is to pay off their home mortgage or pay off the truck or pay off the car or whatever the case may be. Oftentimes, we counsel people to continue making those debt payments as opposed to lump sum pay something off. The reason that we do that is the tax impact of taking that money out of a qualified plan, paying taxes on it, and then paying it off is tremendous. Mm -hmm. And you really don't want to have to pay that much in taxes. It could throw you into another tax bracket. But that is a regular knee-jerk reaction that people have to debt. I think you have to be able to accurately and, and, and very effectively manage your debt. So here's the deal. If you had, let's say, $50,000 left to pay on your house, and you have a choice of paying a, a $500 a month mortgage payment in retirement or taking $50,000 out of your retirement account to pay that mortgage payment, then the move would be to keep paying that monthly payment because you could always, if things really got bad, you could always reach over in your retirement account and pay it off if you had to, but you don't have to, so you don't do it for tax reasons. Our Conway team worked on a case recently where uh, the clients just kept coming back to, we want to pay off our house. Did we mention we want to pay off our house? (laughs) By the way, we want to pay off our house. And I understand that. Um, But when they came in, I think this is important for people to understand. When they came in, it was, do we pay off the house? Yes or no. And that was like, there, there was no in between, you know, like, do we accelerate the payoff or anything like that? And what we discovered as we put together their plan is there is a way in their case for them to pay it off much faster, but without taking, John, like you were talking about that lump sum and destroying those retirement assets. And so it's not always black and white. That's, that's one of the keys to understand here that it's not just a, do we do this or do we not? There's still a way to get out of that debt with planning probably faster than what you would otherwise. So many people think the value of a financial advisor is in investment advice. Yes. But I think Janet just highlighted a great a great value to an advisor, a good advisor, is helping you avoid financial mistakes, Yeah, uh, yeah. which is what yeah. we're doing here today on the show. So the first one is overborrowing, cancel overborrowing from your personal uh, financial culture, if you will. You may have uh, listened to the radio program for a long time and remembered the fastest four minutes in investing because this is the time when that would be running on certain radio affiliates uh, of the Get Ready for the Future show. I want to tell you a little bit about a change in that because it was actually uh, originated because of the need to have uh, a radio format be different for one of our affiliates than it was for another. And that's no longer needed now. We have one less affiliate. So the fastest four minutes is not a requirement, but it's become kind of fun to do. It's become pretty popular on social media, so we don't want to quit it. So what we are doing is we're changing it. It's got a brand new look. It's not really the fastest four minutes in investing anymore. It's the fastest four minutes in finance. So we're going to broaden the scope of the topics we're going to talk about. Uh, We'll talk about investing still. We'll talk about the markets and the economy, which is what we've always done. But we also want to bring in retirement topics in there as well, because it's now going to be a standalone video that you can get in your email inbox. And moving forward, if you'd like to get that, you can text the word FAST to 501-381-5228. Again, that's 501-381-5228. Just text the word FAST and you'll be able to sign up and get that directly to your email inbox. They've kicked John off of the fastest four, and they're making me do it by myself. Well, you 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 got your own studio. I got my own show. You really got your own is. show. Yeah. You got yeah. your own studio. I hope you're happy, Mr. Broadcast. John's going to retire real soon. Yeah. <laughs> I technically didn't ask for any of it, but I'll take it. We'll do it. Yeah, so the uh, email inbox is a great way to get it for the foreseeable future, and it's a short future. You will also be able to uh, get it on social media. So there'll be some reminders on how to sign up for you if you don't do it today. It's only going to be there for about a month. 
and then yes. going away. So be yeah. sure you text us. This this week we're talking, by the way, about the inflation rate and does the uh, the bringing in of the new season of spring mean a spring bounce potentially in the stock market? So you want to check that out again. Just text the word fast to 501-381-5228. And I've got to get out for a commercial break pretty fast. Yeah, That's it for segment one. The Get Ready for the Future show continues as we talk about three financial mistakes this week to cancel from your culture. Back in a moment. Scott Inman, John Shrewsbury, and Janet Walker back on the Get Ready for the Future show today talking about three financial mistakes that you should cancel from your culture. And they're all going to start with over. These these three mistakes that you can make happen on a pretty big level, and they are part of LPL Financial's over-index, in fact. They are recognized levels of when we get to these overages, if you will, uh, when the economy overheats to this level and we do these things, it can be the end of a bull market. Uh, yes. And it can be really detrimental to the uh, macro economy. But we're talking about how to apply them to your personal economy. And the first one that, uh, that we talked about in the last segment was over-borrowing, whether it's credit card debt or it's an auto loan. And really, it all comes back to, for me, and this is a a personal take for me, it comes back to cash flow. It comes back to margin in your financial life, the inflow and outflow of your income, right? Your income comes in, and and it's a pretty simple concept, but I think people understand it, but we rarely practice it, that your expenses reach a point where you don't have much margin. And from our standpoint, from the financial advisor world, that means it's going to have an impact on how much you can save, how much you can put back for retirement. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, one of the things that, that I have seen happen from time to time in this is that people edge out on that margin and, and try to get as close to the yeah. edge as they possibly can. And what that precludes is that everything is going to go perfectly. Yeah. You're not going to have any kind of interruption in your income. You're not going to have any kind of health care issue. You're not going to have a family member come up and distract you from the pace that you're currently on. I got news for you. I lived long enough to know that things change, that nothing stays the same. And so you have to build in that margin so you don't run off the road, Janet, when you are going uh, down that road. You've got a little bit of, of margin there to, to uh, account for life changes. You know, I think on a, on a personal level, one of the things that we have seen so many times in talking with clients is just they're kind of detached, really, guys, from what that number might be. What are they spending month in and month yeah. out? And certainly when you include the annual things that they're not thinking about on a monthly basis, I think when we switched to having a checkbook where you had to write everything out mm-hmm. and if you were good about it, documenting you know what you, what you had spent in your register, and you could see that money dwindling down now we swipe a debit card or maybe a credit card but we swipe plastic all the time and we don't have that mental register if you will of of how much money is going out on a regular basis and it's frankly very easy to spend more than your paycheck is on a regular basis uh, and most people you know they may not do it every pay period but I guarantee you they do it you know from time to time and you just have to be aware that I think that's one of the keys to canceling overspending on a yeah. personal basis. Yeah, that was the announcement of our second financial mistake. We didn't make that, yeah. but it does bridge from overborrowing into overspending. The two are, are very much uh, adhesively connected. But I uh, didn't mean to interrupt you, John, no. but you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say that that a real-time, real-world example of this right now is going on in Arkansas in the housing market. Mm -hmm. Now, nationwide, the housing market actually spiked in the last couple of months uh, that there were more new home sales and things of that nature. But you're really seeing almost a frothy real estate market in Arkansas right now. Uh, I I actually went and looked at a house. Uh, my daughter wants to do, begin to do some real estate investing and things of that nature. So I went and actually looked at a house that we were interested in just off of, of the listing that was online. And this house was listed for, I don't know, it's like $160,000. Guys, it might have been worth $60,000. Wow. <laughs> and, and this is not unusual yeah. right now. Right. Yeah. Houses, I, I had a real estate agent tell me that a house in Conway actually sold sight unseen. It didn't even get on the market. They were The realtor told somebody it was about to be listed on the market, and they said, I'll take it. 
And, and there's several things that are driving that. Number one is low interest rates. People have uh, the ability to, to go and borrow uh, money at a very low interest rate. And so if they're looking at rental property, that is a, a leverage that they can, they can get in this current time. But the other thing that is apparently happening is that there are, there's kind of an influx of people from the West Coast headed to the South. Yeah. And, and some of those folks are landing in Arkansas and it's driving prices up. Here's what that means to you don't get over your skis on a real estate deal because you can be in real trouble. I've had one of the, uh, the uh, most, uh, uh, I guess, mo- most uh, prevalent real estate agents in, in this market say to me, look, now is not the time to buy. Right. Now, is, and, and this is a real estate agent who's in the business of selling houses. And they're like, look, I, things are really overpriced right now. And this is where you get into trouble. This is how you can get into trouble. And you think, oh, it'll all be okay because I'm going to get it at this low interest rate and I'll have a renter in this house forever and everything will be just fine. And it is until it isn't. And so you have to be very careful about that. And that is a, a symptom of a, I think, a bigger problem down the road. I think we're thinking of the same real estate agent who also told me it is the hottest real estate market she's ever seen, yes, by the way. Yeah. So it is a, a seller's market, but not a buyer's market. But, but you think about why, you know, you mentioned the West Coast uh, infusion. They can probably afford to overpay for a house in Arkansas yeah. because yes. their house sold for a lot more. But if you think about why people may be doing it, because mortgage rates are lower and they think they're getting a deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. But if they're overspending for that house, yeah. the deal the, just that, went away. Yeah, the deal just went away. What you saved if you had to pay more for, than what the house is worth, and then you're potentially upside down in that house if you needed to sell it because of job loss or something happened that you did not expect, then you've lost all of the value in doing that. Hey, you're, you're absolutely right, Scott. And when you think about the long-term nature of that overspending, Mm -hmm. that's a problem. Now, you know, you can go and overspend a little bit at the store and pull that back, and and that's not such a big deal. A house mortgage is a is a forever deal almost. You know, it's a 25, 30 year time yeah. period that you're looking at there. And so that that can be a real big problem. Now, you can also overspend in some big ticket purchases. You you can for sure. Um, this is one of the things we were talking about, just kind of gathering our thoughts together. Some of those big ticket purchases look different a little a little bit right now because of everything we've had going on in the last year. Um, just as an example, we've had uh, y'all know I married a geek. Uh, I'm very happy to be married to a geek, but I, I'm not fully in that category. He understands things that I will never understand in life, and one of them is how to put together a computer. Like he does, we buy laptops if we need a laptop, but for the desktop for the home computer, my husband builds those. I don't understand it. He does. You know, this is this is how we balance each other out. But anyway, he's been telling me for a while, hey, we need to replace our home computer. So we set aside the money for it and I told him okay just go ahead and go do your thing here's the money for it go build it well he told me a couple of weeks ago he said honey it's going to be about a year before we are done with the computer and I'm like what do you what do you mean it's going to be a year well the parts that he needs are not available so you think about you know what that impacts we've had we've had coronavirus you know the impact in china we've had some significant challenges in japan as well with the parts being made and what is the impact you know now we're obviously looking on a business level rather than a personal level but what is the impact to so many businesses in the technology realm because they just don't have the parts that they need to supply the pieces that, you know, whatever you're making, whether it's a computer, you name it, lots of things out there that are just kind of in the mud right now. You see this show up in, in inventory of uh, vehicles on, yeah. on yeah. car lots right yeah. now. Yep. The, there's so much in electronics in, in vehicles and the, the, uh, semiconductor shortage, if you will, because of COVID and what have you, has inventories very low. Well, what does that mean to you? That means that your your prices are going to be higher right. because there's a greater demand for that. This is the classic setup of inflation. We've been talking about the yeah. fact that, that inflation is coming. We've been talking for weeks and weeks here on the show about this is a classic setup of inflation, that we've got so much money, so much cheap money in the marketplace that is chasing too few goods. Our productivity is down. The availability of certain goods are down. So you're seeing higher prices. You have to be wary of overspending. Do you guys remember what the car lots looked like in 2008? 
when oh, we had yeah. the cash for clunkers deal. Yes. Uh, my my mother-in-law, um, she happened to need to replace a vehicle during that time. It was a very unfortunate time to need to buy a new vehicle. But what happened then, John, you mentioned supply and demand. What happened is because there were so many vehicles that got, you know, just sent to the junkyard and they were off the roads. Well, then there was not the supply needed to meet the demand. And so prices went up and you were paying more than the, the what should have been the real value of a vehicle at that point. And that's what we're talking about here, that we have the possibility of heading that direction even more so in the housing market right yeah. now yeah. and and potentially in vehicles because of not being able to get the parts that they need for the electronics of all of it. We talked about the, the culture uh, aspect of this many times in the show. And when you think about um, overspending and relate it to consumer spending and how much of a part consumer spending is of our overall economy, we need to spend money for our economy to do well. There's no question about that. But when you bring that in on a personal level in your personal economy, that doesn't always resonate that you need to spend just to spend because you want something, as we've already highlighted where prices are. Now, certain things you're going to need, but we're not talking about things you have to have. We're talking about maybe a vehicle. I mean, if, if you just don't have one and it's broken and you have to do it. But how do you determine how if you're overspending or not? Well, it's it's setting aside again. It goes back to that cash flow, that margin, having a budget, and knowing how much you can spend on something. Set aside for savings and not being willing to overpay just to get it. You sometimes mm-hmm. it means you have to wait. I've got one more for you, Scott, and this okay. is uh, actually for our viewers as opposed to our listeners. But I'm, I'm showing a graph of what has happened to is lumber. That, a graph? that is a graph. That's a graph. It's that's, kind of a that's graph. That's a line. That's a line. <laughs> that, that's what lumber prices have done yeah, lately. Okay. It, what are you, the numbers? Well, I, I just did it on the fly. On the fly. Here. Come on, on, play along, Scott. I got you. I got you. So, but but this is what I know. If you had gone to your local lumber store, you name it, whichever one, Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, independent guy, whatever the case may be, and you were in the market for a two-by-four. Hmm. About a year ago, a two-by-four cost you about $2.83. Today, it costs you $9. Wow. And, and so that has been an explosion of a commodity. Commodity prices are going up like crazy. And so, again, you have to be wary of the timing of a purchase when it comes to what the prices are, just because you have the money doesn't necessarily mean it's a great time to buy. Hey, we're up against a break, but I think it's another great point that we may need to, to play out on the other side of the break, that this is a great application for people entering retirement, too. Yes. You know, a lot of people think, hey, I'm just going to take Social Security, going to live on a pension and never get a raise or not get much of a raise. But when things start to cost more, it highlights the importance of a retirement income plan that's going to have raises built in over time so that you can cover that increase in expenses. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Talking about three financial mistakes that you need to cancel from your culture, and they are a big problem in our culture, in the macro economy, but in your personal economy, you've got to get rid of them to be able to move towards your financial goals. And the first two are out of the barn now. We talked about overborrowing in the first segment and overspending. They go hand in hand. Our last one is going to be overconfidence. Before we get fully into that, I do want to back up. We didn't really get to vet out that full thought before the end of our last segment when it comes to prices and determining whether you can afford something in the housing market, in the lumber market. You may have to wait, but as prices go up, and you're going into retirement, do you have a retirement income plan that has inflationary raises built in? You wouldn't work at a job for 30 years without getting a raise on your paycheck. Well, you're replacing a paycheck in retirement, so you need to get raises to your monthly income. And a retirement income plan from GenWealth does that. We do have a quick offering for you as well. If you want to kind of get an idea of are you on track for your retirement goals, let me give you a free checkup. You can text the word CHECKUP to 501-381-5228. Again, the number for you, 501-381-5228. Just check, uh, text the word CHECKUP and get to the 15-Minute Retirement. You can also visit the website, 15minuteretirement.com. That is the number, 15minuteretirement.com, spelled out. And you can get a, just a quick overview of where are you in relation to your 
retirement goals. And that's really all these overages. They, they play out in retirement as well, but they also play out in pre-retirement. Scott, you were talking about the issue of, of retiring on a, a flat paycheck, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't have retirement income increases, then you're going to run into a problem. And people that do that calculation, they sit down, they go, okay, well, I'm spending this and I can get pension and social security and da 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 da, da and I can, I'm in good shape. That is an example of overconfidence because yeah. you just mm-hmm. because you can cover it now doesn't mean you can cover it in five years or maybe even three years. Here's the problem that we run into right now economically. If you think about where we've been over the last 20 years in this country, we have seen almost no inflation. It just has not been a factor. I can almost assure you that inflation will be a factor going forward. COVID changed the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, COVID changed a lot of things structurally in our economy. And one of those is the fact that the government has spent a lot of money and and intends apparently to continue spending trillions of dollars. I think there is a a bill being floated now by the Biden administration to put $2 trillion into infrastructure. Well, again, this is money coming into the economy that isn't actually being manufactured. It's being printed. And so then it's going to be chasing goods and those goods prices are going to go up and that is going to have an effect on you in your future years as retirement as retirees i can tell you as someone who has worked in this industry for 30 plus years there is no way i would step into retirement without some kind of plan to increase your income over time it's going to be a disaster if you do so let's talk a little bit about um, overconfidence as, as far as it relates to consumer confidence. You know, th- that's something we look at on a regular basis because that it tells us where we're going in the future as the economy progresses. So this is a conference board's consumer confidence survey. It attempts to measure consumers' current feelings about business and employment conditions, as well as their expectations for the six months for the next six months. So where do they think things are going on an ongoing basis in the future? And consumer spending is really responsible for about 70%, which is a pretty high number, guys, of U.S. economic activity. So it's something that we want to continue to keep an eye on and from what we're seeing right now that's a strong number because again we're seeing the overborrowing and overspending which is again it's coming from overconfidence they wouldn't be overborrowing and overspending if they were not overconfident and I think, uh, you know, uh, we have a great affinity for Brian Westbury, a chief economist with uh, First Trust mm-hmm. out of Chicago. He, uh, he is probably one of the smartest people that I know about the economy. He talks about a Goldilocks economy. You want it, don't want it too hot, but you don't want it too cold. You want it just right. And confidence is one of those things that can get overheated. That actually causes people to do stupid things for with their money because they feel emboldened because things are so good. And and that's about the time that you're going to see things really begin to pull back. It is really interesting how moderation comes into play in this in this situation. One of the areas where you see this in terms of a business is in wage growth. So, yep. you know, how does a business demonstrate overconfidence? Well, it, you know, to give people raises, that is a good and just and right thing to do. But at what pace do you do that? Right. And what percentage of a raise and what what frequency do you do it? When you begin to see businesses give significant raises in a shorter period of time, then they're pretty confident about the future. Well, what happens if that doesn't pan out? What happens if, you know, like in 2020, when COVID hit, things didn't pan out like everybody thought that they would. And so you saw some of those businesses, frankly, go out of business. And some of them have to cut back pretty significantly. So it's pretty easy to see from a business perspective, there's a place where you've got to find some balance. You've got to take care of your people, but you you don't need to have so much confidence that you're overspending in that arena. But then you bring that down to the personal level. That guy who's getting paid more by the business, then what does he start doing? Well, he starts spending more because he's getting paid more. And it it is this trickle-down effect, to use a a Reagan deal. You know, it starts with a business level, but then it's going to impact on a personal level what the rest of these overs look like. You know, we weren't. it wasn't that long ago we were talking about businesses stockpiling record amounts of cash, right, on the sidelines. And that was really built out of fear in a lot of cases because of the fear of the unknown. But it is also positioning them, I think, to be able to – increase wages when they need to or 
spend on infrastructure or invest. So again, I think from the the lesson for a personal economy is is some of that still needs to be there, right? You don't you don't need to overstockpile and be fearful, but you also right. don't need to let go of all of that cash because of overconfidence that everything is moving in the right direction and is always going to continue to do that. John, you're you're pretty famous on this show for saying things are never as bad or as good as they seem to be. Yeah, and I think that really is where this lands in terms of investing because uh, one of the classic things that you see is when the market is going up, yeah. everybody thinks that the market is just going to keep going up. And uh, so I'm going to put money in the market when it's going up. Well, let's think about this. Is that really the right time to put money in the market? Maybe it is, maybe it's not, because oftentimes when things are low, when you think about when we had the the downturn with right. COVID-19 and the market fell 30-something percent, everybody was like, oh, that, that's that, I don't need to put any money in the market because it's going the wrong way. Well, if you take a look at the at the reviews that we're doing with clients now that we are <laughs> stupid, uh, yeah, stupid, 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 good, yeah. Yeah, stupid, good, yes. yeah, stupid, good returns. Yeah. Because if you take it uh, from point to point from, let the, right. let's say, the end of March to the end of March yeah. of 21, yeah. uh, the returns are like 50, 60 percent in some cases. Now, that's very, very unusual. It's a it, it, you know, it wasn't anything that we did necessarily. That was just how the market performed during that one time period. But isn't it interesting that people didn't have confidence in the stock market right. back in March of 2000? And now they've got, I'm sorry, 2020, and now they've got a lot of confidence in the stock market when it's a lot higher. That may be just the opposite of what you may be needing to do. Now, you think about that, and I've even talked about this in the reviews with the clients. The reason we do the 12-month trailing is because we're having an annual review, right? So the concept is, it's been 12 months since we've seen you. Let's see how we're doing right. in those last right. 12 months. Right. But you do have to remember what happened before those couple of months before that, right? The yeah. market did go down. So it's about the long term when it comes to investing. And I think the reverse is true, too, for some people. Some people got scared and jumped off on the way down in March. But some people did say, hey, this is a great time to buy. And I know some yeah. people that got some individual stocks, right, in that yes. time. Their 50 or 60 may have been 130, right, yeah. over the last 12 right. months. And that's right. great. But do you have some overconfidence now, right? Because, hey, right. oh, this thing is easy. I buy an individual stock and it goes up 120%, right? Yeah, it's all about timing in in terms yes. of individual stocks in most cases like that. Yeah, well, and, that's, and, and that's a losing proposition in most cases. It yes. is. We, yeah. We've talked many times about timing the market versus yeah. time in the market. And all of these scenarios we're talking about are timing the market. And I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your area of expertise is. If you're playing the game of timing the market, you are going to lose more times than you win. It is more about time in the market than timing the market. Yeah, and I think that's the point that I'm going for here is that it can. There's the overconfidence. Yeah. Is I'm I know how to do this, right? I made yeah. a, a lot of money over the last 12 months. I know how to do this, but over the long term, and that's where we hang out every day with the planning is long term investing it's very difficult to keep that up. Well, and you, you see people uh, deal with this from a, a, a standpoint of, uh, you know, seeing somebody else do it and their confidence is emboldened because they saw somebody else do it. Right. We saw this with the whole uh, deal with Reddit and, and yeah. GameStop and yeah. all that. Oh, they did that? I'm going to go do that. They jump in and go to do that. And the bloom's off the rose. It's already happened. And, and yep. you know, they're buying in at some high level. And then the stock turns around and goes back down and they lose. And then what happens? They lose confidence in, right. in the game because it didn't work out for them like it did the guy that they were talking to or the, the guy that they were observing with that, that you know, uh, lightning strike of luck that happened there. But the key here is to not base what you're doing on luck or overconfidence or anything. The key here is to base what you're doing on a plan and a strategy. A plan and a strategy last throughout uh, time. It, it lasts, it, it happens well when things are good. It works well when things are not so good. Planning is the key to your financial success. I, I would challenge you to ask yourself if you're overconfident about your personal retirement. You know, do you know that you're on track and you're right about that? How do you know? 
are you confident that you're going to be able to retire and and replace that paycheck throughout your entire retirement time period? And there's a way for you to find out if you're on track for retirement. All you need to do is text us the word checkup and get your get access to our 15-minute retirement program. All you have to do is text checkup to 501 501- three eight one five two two eight if you want to know whether your overconfidence is you know hampering you or if you're on track for retirement Uh, that's a way that you can have confidence yes. not overconfidence that's right but confidence about what's going on because the assumptions that you make in a financial plan scott are are a lot more calm and stayed than than some of the speculation that might be out there that could produce overconfidence it goes back to what we always talk about the difference in rate of return and outcome you know you're thinking you're looking at that rate of return thinking oh look what i did over the last 12 months but it's about the long-term outcome and that's a successful retirement in almost every case uh, with the clients that we work with we're going to take a break and be back for our final segment right after this Our final segment on today's show, and we've been talking about the three financial mistakes that you need to cancel from your culture. These things are a problem in the overall culture, the macro economy, if you will, and they can't leak into your personal economy or they can have disastrous results when it comes to your financial goals. So if you're just joining us, we've been talking about three overs. It's overborrowing, overspending and overconfidence. Those can really wreck your financial future. And we've played out those things. But as we uh, finish up today, what's the antidote to that? What's the solution? We've already kind of hinted at it in the last segment, but it is about the plan. So what's the plan? The plan is on paper, on purpose, written out so you can see it. And it is outcome-based. It is education-driven, strategy-based, and team-delivered. It's not about chasing high rate of returns. It's about a long-term approach to investing and a long-term approach in retirement to providing you a consistent, predictable monthly income that, oh, by the way, is going to have raises built in because I think we've highlighted pretty well in today's show the need for inflationary adjusted uh, raises. And if we didn't, just hang on because in the next couple of years, we're going to see that uh, as prices continue to go up. But so what is the plan? And, And the plan for us and our clients is the ready to retire process. Yeah, and I think that that I would say that it begins with a mindset of not get rich quick or not try to chase the hot thing that's out there, but to have a more steady, staid methodology of what you're doing. Uh, the headlines really do highlight and tout people that hit something big, hit the big lottery or whatever the case may be. But it is that slow and steady getting rich slowly that I think you can really document that way more people are successful at that strategy than they are playing the lottery or hitting the hot stock or whatever the case may be. And Janet, that really begins even before you sit down with a financial advisor. You really have to say, okay, I'm going to step away from luck and we're I'm gonna step more into strategy. Well, you know, in the last segment we talked about timing the market versus time in the market. This is a good place to be thinking about that when you're talking about accumulating assets you know if you're contributing to your 401k and you're getting that match with every pay period that you have you have some money coming out of your paycheck and some money coming from your employer as a match going into that investment and i'm telling you it doesn't matter if it's 2008 and the market is down 40 percent it doesn't matter if it's march of 2020 and the and the market is down 30 something percent it doesn't matter if it's march of 2021 and the last year looks amazing. It doesn't matter. You just keep investing. Now, you do want to have some coaching on where to invest within your 401k, but here's the key. Accumulation is relatively easy. Just keep investing and you'll get somewhere down the road. You'll get to a better place in the future over time because you continue to contribute. The question is, what happens with distribution? 
And are you prepared? Do you have guys that plan on paper on purpose, the ready to retire process, so that you know how you're taking a distribution to replace your paycheck? It has to be more than just investment, Scott. It really does have to be a lot more than just investments to get you through retirement. I've seen people with lots of money retire, and and their retirement really didn't work out very well because they were basing everything on what kind of performance can I get, and performance is not consistent. Yeah, and I think it's important. I'm asked this question in the meeting room quite frequently is, what have you saved all this money for? What is the purpose of those investments? And almost across the board, it is retirement. Right. We're building this as a nest egg to support ourselves when we leave work and we need a paycheck. Well, how do you know if it's enough? It's not a magic number. I think a lot of people ask that question when they come in, too. How much do I need to retire? The first question. That's the first question they ask. Well, we don't know anything about you at that point, so there's no way we can answer that question. Your asset level can determine how much income you can get in retirement. But I think this also it, it highlights the importance. You talked about accumulation, moving from accumulation into distribution. That really needs to be put on paper on purpose before it actually occurs, right? The retirement yes. red zone, something we talk about quite frequently. If you're 10 years or less from retirement, it is the perfect time to actually see that picture of the future, your income stream. Whenever you're going to retire, if it's 60, 65, we can sit down with you and begin to build that plan that shows you your monthly income beginning in year one of retirement and how it grows with inflationary adjusted raises over time. And if that's your target income, if that's what you want and your asset level is going to come up a little bit short of the runway, that's a perfect time to be able to do something about it. Scott, I sat with uh, some clients just this week that we've been working with them for two years and he's got about another year to go in retirement. We sat down and began to work through some of the complexities of his retirement program. Now, he's got several things going on, and there's a lot of moving parts to this, but it is so good to have that that runway of time to be able to prepare for certain things. Uh, visited with another client, completely different situation, that we had actually planned for him to retire uh, in about two and a half years. But he came in and he went, I'm done. I really want to throttle back. I really want to be able to step out of what I'm doing right now and just have a a different paradigm, make a little bit less money and be able to glide into retirement as opposed to just stop in two years. I'd like to begin to throttle back. We took his plan. We began to work through that and we figured out that yes, he could have a hybrid retirement. He could have what we like to call work retirement here at GenWealth. It is uh, simply a way for him to to do some part-time work and live on some income that he has coming in and be able to to trigger that retirement two and a half years earlier than we thought possible. And so it doesn't work out that way all the time, but to have that time yeah. and have that that span of, of runway, if you will, to run up toward that ultimate retirement goal makes all the difference. Guys, we're, I have the, the great great privilege uh, in this quarter to work with somebody who's been my client for 18 years and is now at the point of retirement. Oh, we, wow. We don't, How yeah, about that? We don't normally have that long of a timeline yeah. from, you know, day one to the point of retirement. But I'll tell you, they're ready. They're they're more than ready because they've had that that period of time to go. Okay, what does this look like, and how much do we need to save now, and what are the opportunities we need to look at over almost two decades, really, to so, to get ready for retirement. I, I don't have any idea who you're talking about, but I will be willing to wager that their confidence level is very high because they've had so long and been working consistently on a plan to get there. They they haven't seen the the fun plan yet but yes yes that's that's where they will be when it's all like okay now we're there and here's your numbers and here's what you've got to look at scott i think that's in contrast to what most people have to deal with yeah. i think about retirement as you've been you've been on this journey you've been building up and accumulating money and all of that type of thing but now you are about to have to walk through the deep dark woods and it's it's foggy and it's dark, and you don't have a flashlight, and you don't have a map, You just, but you have to go through. You can't turn around and go back. You have to go through because retirement is coming. 
it is something that you've got to deal with. And so to have that that flashlight and that map and that guide to take you through, I think that gives you the confidence to take the steps that you need to take to get into retirement. And the only way you do that is you pick up the phone, give us a call, and let us put together a retirement income plan. We call it the ready to retire process because that's what we're doing. We're getting you ready to retire. And it is a, I think it makes all the difference in the world in not only the financial substance of what you're doing in retirement, but also the feeling that you have about your money. Let me give you that number. It's 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355. You can call it now. You can also send us an email, info at getreadyforthefuture.com to begin the ready-to-retire process, especially if you're 10 years or less away from potentially entering uh, retirement and life without a paycheck. do want to take a real quick minute to uh, talk as we talk about this theme uh, today of three financial mistakes to cancel from your culture, overborrowing, overspending, overconfidence. If you're younger, I think about some people I know that are actually in their 30s, uh, and I don't know a lot about their personal economy, whether they're overborrowing, overspending, overconfident, but I have had a conversation enough to know that they're not saving for retirement, and they're in their 30s, and they need to begin that. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably willing to say that it's because of some overborrowing, overspending, or overconfidence. You've got to get in touch with your future self and begin a plan working towards accumulation for your retirement goals. Well, there is the bell. It is time for our final thoughts. I'm going to start at the end of the table with Janet. So we've talked about, you know, over everything. The mm-hmm. question is, what's your personalized plan? Where are you in terms of your retirement planning? Do you have on paper, on purpose, a plan to prepare you for retirement and show you what that path is going to look like? If you need to know where you are, all you need to do is give us a call, 501-653-7355. And Scott, I would say to uh, the people that you were referencing or really anybody else who's out there that is accumulating money and you're dealing with this balancing act of life and money and you're dealing with kids and you're dealing with parents that are getting older and you may need to help them and you've got a house mortgage and you've got some debt and you, you really want to try to achieve some goals. A plan is the way that you do that. You can sit down with your advisor at GenWealth and customize a plan to you and help you to actually realize the goals that you are are just sitting there dreaming about. Right now, you don't need to dream. You need to take action. And taking action younger is so much better than taking action later. I will have as my final thought a reminder again about the way to check if you're on track for a successful retirement. We talk about the ready-to-retire process, and that is the full written plan. But you can kind of get that bird's-eye view. If you don't have a lot of time right now you want to dedicate to it, in the time it takes to check your social media, you can actually do a 15-minute retirement checkup and see where you stand. And you can text the word FREE. Uh, I'm sorry, text the word CHECKUP to get your free checkup. Just text the word CHECKUP to 501-381-5228. 501-381-5228. Text the word CHECKUP or go to 15minuteretirement.com. That's 15minuteretirement.com for your free checkup to see where you are. Fun show today. Absolutely. Don't Good forget to be about back in the same room. Yes, it was very much so. That's it for this week. We'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Get Ready for the Future show. If you enjoy hearing from the Gen Wealth team every week, make sure and subscribe to the podcast. And if you want to help us get the word out on building toward financial independence, share the podcast with your friends and family. The Gen Wealth financial team is available to you 24 7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 501 653 7355. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment, and no strategy can assure success. GenWealth Financial Advisors is an Arkansas-registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC.